of transition can be very activating. So it's pausing for a few moments. Remembering that we always are beginning again, fresh, here, now. You might feel some of the momentum in the body, making plans, packing, moving, going forward. But grounding that momentum in present awareness, feeling the breath, entering the nostrils, feeling it expand through the lungs and down through the belly. As you breathe out, landing more fully in your seat, feeling the pressure, sensation of sitting on your seat, help ground you in that sensation. Feeling sensations in the soles of the feet, the palms of the hands. Taking a few deeper, slower breaths, knowing that the future will come soon enough. And for now, just savoring this much, this moment. collectively, and the beautiful sense of the Dharma that has supported us all, like the river flowing deeply beneath all the comings and goings, flowing inevitably to the great ocean, where all things meet, all things merge. Every sense of separate being, breath, thought, feeling, merging and arising from the great 
presence of being. Subtle and expansive. Without dimensions, colorless, immovable, fluid, dynamic. Still, within movement, movement within stillness. Genderless, without distinctions, without nationality. Without accumulation and without holding just this much being. From our collective beingness, gentle resonance out to touch all the forms here within the hall with kindness, appreciation of the time we've shared together. Expanding out, rippling out, and including and welcoming in the world around us, the world within us, in all its complexities and multifacetedness, its great suffering and its great aspiration, its great beauty and its great pain. May all be touched healed with kindness, love, compassion, joy, and equanimity. And as we perceive the movement forward into our lives and where we're going today and where we'll land and what we're going into, just holding those perceptions and the feelings and the others that we'll meet, the context we'll be in with this kindness, spaciousness, suffusing the sense of the future with well-being, Knowing that as we listen deeply in our heart, all beings are listening with us. Listening into the great mystery. It's aliveness, 
its benevolence, its intelligence.
Okay, feels like we've been on a very big journey in a very short space of time and we haven't really gone anywhere. And <laughs> um, uh, we've been able to be here together um, and uh, in, in all different sizes and shapes and forms and stories and um, geographies and cultures and orientations and identities. And yet our common underlying factor is to be as a Sangha, to come together recognizing that we need each other for this awakening process. It's actually very hard to just to do that on our own as much as sometimes we'd like to. That uh, it's um, necessary and important to cultivate spiritual community and friendship. And that inevitably means that it's, you know, I remember when Ajahn Chah once, one of his early visits to England when Chithurst Monastery was just starting, he just were there very enthusiastic as a, as a young group of Westerners, you know, very much on the Enlightenment path. And we had the way, <laughs> and we were getting there very quick. And uh, we were great warriors in, in uh, service of this great awakening endeavor. I mean, we had a, you know, a real humbling process yet to go through. But, um, you know, and Ajahn Chah came from Thailand. He only came twice to the UK in 77 and 79. And uh, he turned up and he said to our young abbot then, Ajahn Sumedho, and he said, how are you all getting on? And Ajahn Sumedho said, oh, we're doing great. We're getting on great. And he went, hmm. He said, well, there won't be much wisdom here then. (laughs) (laughs) We could say maybe not much compassion as well. So, you know, this, this, you know, these are the sharpening stones that that which, the grit which rubs to the pearl, you know, the things that challenge us. And in many ways, we're going back now into the higher practice of the daily realm. And uh, it's not so refined, it's not so supportive, there's not so much samadhi and gatheredness. So inevitably, generally speaking, we can feel a loss when we go um, and it's important just to stay with the process of leaving and change because we can just zoom over that and then just go straight into the email download and the and the plan, the big project that we've probably cooked up on the retreat. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we, you know, off we go again. So there's something, if possible, I know it's hard in our day and age, to just sort of hit a few pause buttons along the way and just, you know tune in, how is, how are you, Uh, you know, take care, try if you can go a bit slowly, um, take some pauses and honor the fact that this has been a very opening process and you might be a little bit more open and and, um, sensitive than you usually are, slightly altered state. I know it doesn't feel like that, but when you go back into, you get to the airport on the freeway, you suddenly realize you are in a bit of a different state especially if you're going 20 miles an hour, you're <laughs> mindfully holding the steering wheel, and people go, blah, blah, blah. peace be with you, man. May you be well. It's all cool. There's nowhere to go. Nowhere to, 
you, know, you might just to realize you sort of like get in the groove a little bit and but this is a transportable path. If it was just about having to stay in a retreat center, um, then, uh, then it would be very limited. And so re- recognizing that we're taking the practice with us and that whatever the circumstance, that there's always a moment that we can turn it towards our contemplation, our investigation, moments of steadying, moments of uh, reflecting on how it is. Someone came to Ajahn Chah and said, I don't have time to practice. My life is full. I've got to do all these things. Does that sound familiar, doesn't it? Um, And he said, well, do you have time to breathe? (laughs) 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 If you have a breath, you can be mindful. One breath, you know. And it does really sometimes come down to that a bit in our daily life because there is enormous momentum and complexity and overload that that these systems are dealing with it's you know these systems someone said on the retreat they like walking meditation because that's the pace we should really be going at you know that is what this body is designed for and here we are you know we're going hundreds of miles an hour at great speed and connecting up and holding enormous amounts that the system wasn't really designed for and yet we're having to in a way try and channel all of that and so to, to recognize that a moment of taking a breath, a moment of pausing, 10 minutes in the day here, 10 minutes there, irrigating this practice out into our lives, gathering our lives into moments of sittings, maybe moments of picking up some of the other skillful means that we've presented, some qigong, body work, some devotional practice, some mantra practice, some study. You know, all of these things contribute to supporting our ongoing, irrigating this path into everyday life, exploring sangha, either geographically close or spiritual friendship. It doesn't always have to come in a Buddhist form. Uh, There are many different ways people come together around the activity of peace and inner contemplation. can be online, there's many resources. It's not the same, but it can still be very, very supportive. So we're lucky we live in a time when there's so much available um, that we don't have to hike over the Himalayas to find the guru in the cave, you know, take 12 years doing it. And, and then he goes, so I've seen that. <laughs> have you seen that? Uh, that, that um, actually, I've forgotten it, that joke. What was that joke? <laughs> I'm really bad at jokes. <laughs> this, this, anyway, there's another one. This, this guy, you know, he's a young man. He's sort of crawling up the Himalayas to the cave to see the guru and... And he sort of finally gets there and and he opens, you know, goes in and goes, oh, please tell me the truth. And he looks up and he goes, oh, hello, mum. <laughs> <laughs> Been there all along. <laughs> uh. Oh, yeah, that's the joke. So he, he, then he calls to another cave. <laughs> and there's that sitting there and he goes, tell me the way, tell me the path. And the guru says, let go of everything. He said, is there anyone else around I can speak to? <laughs> so we do, we, we do bargain our ways on this journey. You know, it's like, I'll do it, but only if I can watch my movie or only if I can... <laughs> so we've, we've had m- many wonderful tools that have been presented um, to us over the course of this time. And, and many of them, all of them are not... You know, We didn't invent these. We didn't sort of 
the, 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 um, how many are we? Five of us. The five of us, we didn't sit down last week and go, what should we do? Yeah, let's make this up and let's do that. This is a part of a huge lineage of teachings and practices that have come down and through us and we offer what we can. And you also have many, many um, accesses to, to this flow of trans- transmission of awakening. And so it's, um, you know, this is, uh, you know, the, the point is to use the tools, really. You, you have a toolbox, you put them in there. You don't just put them on the shrine. I know we like to bow, but, you know, we don't just sort of put them up and worship. We actually open the box and take them out and adapt them and use them and explore how they can be applied to so many different situations. Um, and so that uh, there's always a, p- a point of practice whether it's cultivating the precepts and honing those, whether it's a central tenet of, of non-harming, whether it's uh, cultivating moments of samadhi and gatheredness, whether it's moments of wise reflection, this is dukkha, what's some suffering, what's happening, what am I grasping, you know, where is this originating from, um, or as um, our teacher Ajahn Sumedho used to say again and again, the refrain, this is how it is. When the mind's going, it should be different, it's like, then it should be different. We know how it should be. But we work and we can change how it is, but to change how it is from wisdom and compassion and clarity is very, very different than from reactivity and, and aversion and anger and frustration and so on. So aligning first with how it is and listening deeply particularly into these areas of challenge and recognizing, you know, this isn't a mistake. This is a fruit of the path that's come. You know, the guest house is a beautiful poem from Rumi uh, as a guide from beyond. The guides come in all forms, in all shapes and sizes, not just beautific angels that come and sprinkle us with holy water, as nice as that is occasionally, but they usually come roaring through and um, shatter shatter us sometimes even, break us apart. And uh, we have to then find our way through. But if we can pick up a little bit of the path, however difficult it gets, a moment of mindfulness, a moment of being here, a moment of kindness, a moment of just being with, with how it is and recognizing even in the most condensed and difficult moment, there's always peace, there's always the unconditioned, there always is that which is um, apparent here and now, revealing the timeless nature, the spacious heart, the unconstricted space of being that we can recognize, take a breath, reorientate, get a perspective, the Brahma-Vihara's equanimity, a big, big perspective. I mean, sometimes when we sit in our um, hermitage in South Africa, on the, these mountains where we are over 200-odd million years, uh, untouched as many mountains are, and you realize, wow, these mountains have seen a lot. You know, they've been they've they've been oceans, they've been deserts, they've been they've they've even got the back of the mountain where it is, even got dinosaur footprints running across it. Um, First Nation peoples paintings forty thousand years ago or so. 
Uh, you just sort of connect with this very deep time. Uh, so sometimes getting a very big perspective is very helpful. It's to realize these extraordinarily huge changes that we're, um, that consciousness unfolds within. These convulsions of billions of years of processes and that has emerged to the point of us here. I mean, it's also touching into the mystery of that, the extraordinary mystery of like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, so we all walk around as if we think we know what's going on. I mean, I'm not sure why we shouldn't be walking around going, what is going on? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what is this all about? You know, more in a sort of pure state of awe and the positive side and like, whoa! <laughs> you know, uh, it's, 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 uh, it is a real extraordinary thing. It's sort of clouded with all these narratives, like, oh, just another day, just another boring thing. Yeah, well, you know, it's another miracle. And to realize that, yes, we do pick up and and plan. And, uh, you know, we don't just sit there as an enlightened cucumber and melt into a sort of, it's all, you know, nothing's happening, nothing's, nowhere to go, no one going anywhere. I'm not really here, I'm a non-self. I don't have a name. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's yes, true. But as Ajahn Chah said, you know, go and uh, you know, when one monk came and he he had um, his the roof of his hut, the straw roof had sort of deteriorated and the rain was pouring, and so he just moved into the corner. He said, no, he's, he's just letting go. And so Ajahn Chah said, well, just you know, just go fix your hut. <laughs> and put a roof on it. Don't be dumb, you know. It just needs a roof, you know. Let go of letting go. <laughs> Pick something up and do something, for God's sake. <laughs> so it's not just a one-way path, let go, let go, and let go, and you just sort of land up in a perpetual, like, oh. You know, there's also a lot of vigor and effort and picking things up and engaging and suffering for the sake of helping and, you know, conscious suffering. You know, to consciously go through suffering for the sake of overcoming it personally and collectively rather than just you know, mindlessly suffering. That's a very different experience. Um, and so as we, you know, the Buddha taught the pathways to success, whether internally, spiritually, or whether if you're picking up any worldly endeavor, he said that four factors that really help. You need some Chanda is called Chanda, which is the purified and focused energy of desire. It means really um, often translated as enthusiasm or zeal or a sense of passion uh, distilled into this this energy of like there's something that's really calling and, and that's honed and it needs to then be you know it helps to then generate this second factor of of virya which is connected with our vigor and our, and our energy and our application and our effort. You need that to bring something to fruition. And then you, so you have to pace. It's not just like a massive, willful uh, movement of effort and then collapse. 
and drop everything. So one has to pace oneself to take something through a long span of time sometimes. What does that take? How to wisely support the continuation of wise application. And then the, the third one, jitta, which is about samadhi, gatheredness, informing what you're doing from a place of deeper wisdom when you're gathered. You sit, you know, you have to just sit and just feeling into, like, oh, some intuitive intelligence can arise from samadhi and, and inform a very creative, perhaps, understanding of how to go forward. Or jitta also means moving from the heart. You know, you can get a lot of people, I had a friend in South Africa who was an extremely successful CEO businessman working in uh, the industries, mining and gold industries. Um, very, very successful, very, very driven, very using an incredibly perceptive and uh, brilliant mind in service of this company. Um, and yet still deep, deep sense of dissatisfaction. And I remember asking him one night um, at one of his um, dinner parties that occasionally Kirisar and I would be invited to in Johannesburg, which was often a very strange experience for us. It would be sort of bankers and gold traders and politicians. And and they go, what do you do? (laughs) 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 It's it's not an easy place to sell the Dharma, but anyhow. But for some reason, he had this very old connection from Kitty Saro um, from the university when they were both at university together. So he, he had this uh, soft spot and it actually enabled the beginnings of Dharmagiri to happen. Uh, made a gift. Um, but he was a hard-nosed guy. And, and you know, the one, one moment, the moments that he used to relax, when he just, you know, he'd drink a couple of bottles of wine that helped him relax a little bit at night. <laughs> So one night he was sitting there, he was a little bit relaxed, and, and then he just started to open up and talk about these nightmares that he would have. And, um, and I said, well, what do you do? You know, well, how is that? And he said, well, I, I just repress it. He's a very honest guy. You know? and I said, so how is that? He said, well, you know, it just makes me feel very, you know, very uptight. And so I just said, well, when does it all stop? And this guy was the second under the, in the company. He was like number two, there's a guy above him. And he just said, when well, I'm successful. And uh, I was so taken aback, I didn't think to think, what is success in your idea of success? You know, on a worldly level, for many people, they'd look at that and say, that's success. You know, wealth and amazing holidays and all the things that goes with, with you know, having that kind of a lifestyle and that kind of power. Um, but he didn't feel it. Yeah. So, you know, you can go for success, but if the jitta, if the heart, and the heart means community, and it means service, and it means connection, and it means really feeling about how to engage the heart and how that informs even our business models, if that's not engaged, and we can get to the top of the pile, and there's still somewhere else to go. You can see that with billionaires and oligarchs and powerful politicians, I mean, they don't really look that happy. You know, honest to God, they look terribly miserable. And they're always fighting off the next contender and sort of, you know, in the Buddhist realms, you call that an asura. You know, a a sort of a 
titan that's just always fighting. And then the last quality of bringing something to fruition that all of these balance together called idipadas, the path of, of um, idi is connected with Indra, the god of Indra, is a powerful god. Um, the, the powers that bring about success is the last one is vimungsa, which means to reflect, to consider feedback loops. How is this going? Should I change direction? Um, being listened, being receptive, getting feedback, adjusting. So you're not just rigid. I'm just going along this path, maybe completely abandoning that, that way. That didn't work. Deconstruct, let's try something else. So all of these factors, the, the zeal and enthusiasm, the effort, the heart, the considering, feedback, contemplating, all of these we're going to be taking into our activity, both our inner awakening and then whatever we're picking up in our life. We, it's not that one shouldn't have a goal or aim for things and work towards those ends. You know, and these factors can help, but we, we always <coughs> inform that process through wisdom. You know, things change, outcomes are uncertain, um, not getting lost just in the goal, but remembering that it's informed by our present moment practice. Just the last thing I'd like to mention uh, briefly, uh, as many of you have brought to our attention and we're all aware that we live in very, very challenging times. Um, And I just wanted to leave with an image of, um, to finish this talk with an image that uh, for me encapsulates to some degree something of what I feel at some level is unfolding for us in terms of consciousness, our human consciousness and its evolutionary processes and the struggle involved in that. And it's, it's, it's an image of, uh, drawn from a, an old Tibetan story of the practice and the um, intention of Avadakiteshvara, Kuan Yin, Avadakiteshvara is this great Bodhisattva in the in the stories of Buddhism, it's great the cosmology of Buddhism. Avadakiteshvara is this great being, and decides he wants to hone his her. Sometimes appears masculine, sometimes feminine. Their compassion and their depth of wisdom. So decides to practice um, and try and serve and help all living beings. And does this for a few lifetimes um, in Tibet. This is a you know, Tibetan story. and says Avalokiteshvara is practicing away and realizes how difficult human beings are. And gets very, very, very despairing and very, very uh, overwhelmed by the enormity of the task. And so decides to go and sit in a cave for a lifetime and sort of check out for a bit and then comes back again. And at a certain point, feels a complete failure, feels like he's done all this effort, all this compassion practice, all this teaching, all this helping, 
and then just feels like it's it's just impossible. The ignorance of human beings is completely unstoppable. The violence, the greed, the hatred, exactly what we feel nowadays. And at a certain point, Avalokiteshvara's whole body just shatters into a thousand pieces. Can't handle any more being with this enormity of suffering. And, and in that moment of shattering, Avalokiteshvara cries out to his guru, Amitabha Buddha, cries out, help! <laughs> you know, and we have those moments, we're just crying out you know, to, to whatever will, to the mystery, help, it's too much, it's overwhelming. And Avalokiteshvara sort of comes down and comes before pieces of Avalokiteshvara strewn across the land and goes, well, you know, you took up some pretty ambitious intentions there. What did you expect? You know, this is, this is, a, this is a big undertaking. He said, oh, ne- never mind. Okay, let's, let's just figure this out. So then, then what Amitabha Buddha do, Amitabha represents the limitless light of consciousness, the limitless undying light, life of consciousness. So Amitabha picks up each piece of Avalokiteshvara and starts putting them back together. But then as, as Amitabha is putting back Avalokiteshvara, decides, I'm going to give you a thousand hands and eyes and eleven heads so that you have more capacity to manage this task. And so then we get this incredible form that you see of Avalokiteshvara with all these hands and eyes and then all these implements from which to to use to respond to the enormity of the task of awakening living beings and being in this world. And to me, this is a very good metaphor for the shattering of our times, the deconstruction, the enormity of the overwhelm and the way that it's sort of deconstructing or dismembering all of us at some level, all the structures, and yet trusting out of that, like Phoenix-like, there's the growth of a reshaping happening, a reconfiguring. We don't know what that will look like, but we have to trust and hold faith to what is reconfigured from the depths of our collective wisdom, this enormous spirit of the human spirit, which has withstood so much before and will inevitably have to withstand so much to come, that it will reshape itself into uh, the capacity to not be overwhelmed, to not be fooled, to not be derailed, but to be able to embody this awakening as clarity, compassion, presence, and wise, beautiful, caring, graceful response, moment by moment. I just like to sit for a few minutes before we change gears.
So I'd just like you to consider, just to you know, this last short time you have together in this retreat, I'd just like you to consider two or three things that have been important for you that you'd like to take forward in a conscious way from what you've and what's unfolded within you, what you feel you need to develop and want to develop, from your insights, or from the place of struggle. Or you may have one main theme, you may have one main theme, or you may have a couple of areas, maximum three, just, just distilling considering for a few minutes. Okay, then what I'd like like to suggest is that we're going to just move into groups of about three, maybe one or two groups might have four. We're just going to share with each other what has come to mind um, in terms of what you'd like to take from the retreat or what you feel is important for you or to, to develop and cultivate or what has been important for you to nurture. If you couldn't think of anything, you can just say it's in process. <laughs> and, you know, just share whatever you feel. Um, sometimes it takes a while to distill, you know, from these experiences. So, and, and we're going to do this in a, in a mindful way so that uh, um, we're not just like, blah, and then, you know, often I think all of us know at the end of these retreats there can be this explosion of conversation it can feel a bit ragged after you've been sitting quietly and you get very pulled up into your personality and so to to really as we do it as a we're going to do it as a sort of meditation practice to mindfully just be with what what we're feeling as we're speaking the sensations of the body practicing speaking and then listening to each other so what I, uh, I'm going to do is after we've got into a group uh, we just, someone will start and speak for a few minutes and I ring the bell and the next person, the next person. So it's going to have a form around it to help contain the process. So everyone gets a chance to say something. You can hear your voice. You can hear each other's voices. Um, so it's not so weird to start <coughs> speaking again. You know, get, get to, to integrate that piece a little. 
So why didn't you uh, find someone around you or uh, near to you to move into a small group by saying what a profound pleasure and honor it's been to work with everyone on this retreat. And uh, I'm very, very sorry that I haven't, wasn't, had, didn't have the chance to meet everyone as none of us could have met everyone during the retreat, um, but hopefully another time. And I really just want to um, wish each and every one of you very well as you continue on with your lives and your spiritual practice. May it bear many fruits and may you uh, be protected and, and uh, supported um, through the blessings of the Dharma. Thank you so much. So I just also want to share my and express my appreciation and gratitude to everyone here. And um, I was sharing at the check-in when we first arrived just how I was feeling a bit weary and overdrawn. So I feel very nourished. My heart feels very full from um, being here with you all, your practice and, and the groups. Um, and uh, of course, to express my appreciation and gratitude to the this teaching team. So I, I wish you all well, and um, I hope to see you again. Thank you. So I'm just really present to how used up I feel. <laughs> But in a good way, in a good way. It's that like, you know, I used to run track and um, at the start of the race when you're down on the blocks, there's all this adrenaline that starts pumping through your system as you take off. And then I ran short distances. Um, and so, you know, you get to that finish line and you f win or lose, you feel like you've just put all your energy into to moving beyond the... Uh, the, the finish line and just finishing and not tripping and uh, all of that, you know, you feel like you've just like a real release and let go. So that's the state of this system now. And um, just really want to express my heartfelt um, appreciation and gratitude for the openings and the connections and the uh, hard work the commitment and the integrity um, of this Sangha. It's been an a, a honor and a pleasure uh, to be with you all. And uh, wishing everyone safe travels. And uh, in the words of uh, the great philosopher Bob Marley, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Woke up this morning. Everything's going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> I've run out of wise things to say. <laughs>
And although I'm tired, there is a beautiful uh, feeling of gratitude that I want to echo what uh, Yang and Dharan Tanisra just said, a sense of uh, truly privilege, honor, to have this uh, chance to be together in such a profoundly uh, intimate way. And uh, I didn't, as Tanisra said, didn't get to meet all of you. I'm sorry, but the ones I did meet, the, the small groups, hearing such simple things when people, you all just said out of the silence, out of the listening, just some sounds and words about how it is. That just gave me such hope for, for our, our future. There is a lot of collective collective wisdom and compassion within us if we just, you know, take the time to listen in and listen to each other and and dare make a sound about how it is so that the links form and we remember this web, this beautiful web we're in. So take care of yourselves and that will... Yang was reminding us last night, we'll take care of each other and, and go safely. And Really thank you for your profound offerings of your energy, your time, your presence. And uh, thank the... Praise the Lord that, the, <laughs> that we have this... Can I get an amen? <laughs> um, that we've got this team team together uh, uh, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs>
Let's sit for a few minutes. May the merits of our practice benefit all beings. May all beings, the four-leggeds, the two-leggeds, those that fly and those that swim, those that stand, be free from suffering. May our effort, may our practice, may our heart minds that have been opening, sometimes through struggle, but oftentimes with wonder, continue to unfurl in a beautiful way. And may the energy of those open heart minds radiate out and infuse our neighbors in this hall, the staff and place of IMS, Barry, Massachusetts, all the states across this land, this continent, the oceans, the countries, and all the other continents making up this world, this world of beings. May we all be free, and may we all come to know the magnificence of authentic self-expression and love.
So I'd just like to offer a traditional blessing chant from the uh, deep uh, time back right from the Buddha and through all the lineages that have carried this, particularly the monastic lineage, this chant that carries the intention, may all be blessed. And may the Buddha Dharma Sangha support and bless you. Bhavatu Sambamangalang Rakandu Sambadevata Sambabutanupa Vena Sata Sati Bhavantu Te Bhavatu Rakandu Sambadevata Sambadhamma Nupavena Sata Soti Bhavandu De Bhavatu Sambamangala Rakandu Sambadevata Sambasankhanu Pāvena sattā sotī Pāvantute So, as they say in KwaZulu uh, Hambagale, go, go well, uh, go safely as we go out onto these roads and uh, negotiate the weather. Did, did you remember to pick up your cell phones, by the way? I wasn't sure what happened on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might need them. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, there's uh, some lunch offered at 12 for those that can stay. If you um, <coughs> would like to keep these um, pages, you're welcome to. As we said on our website, the Dhammagiri website, there's access to the chants, the recorded chants. You can also download them there. Um, except I don't think we have the Mangala Sutta up there yet. Or if not, you can um, just put them back here some point before you leave and we'll gather them up. <coughs> 